I hate capitalist culture and this insistence that everybody needs to be doing something. <laughs> First of all, Betty, you know what you want to do and you know who you are and he's not stopping you from doing that. So go and be that and just let that man keep going to school like those vampires in Twilight. everyone this is alex and this is m welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is a podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary For much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Today we'll be discussing the groundbreaking ABC dramedy Ugly Betty. Based on the internationally acclaimed Yo Soy Betty La Fie, Ugly Betty chronicles the blossom of an ugly duckling who gets her feet wet in the world of fashion and learns how to assert herself, follow her dreams, and coordinate her outfits. Ugly Betty was U.S. television's very first foray into making an English-language telenovela. The series gave us laughs, loves, ridiculous scenarios, and epic cliffhangers. So how did the gamble pay off? Stay tuned. everyone here are some details about ugly betty ugly betty is a dramedy aka a comedy drama and it's also labeled a romantic comedy it was developed by silvio horta and it is based on yo soy betty la fe which is the colombian series colombian telenovela created by fernando guitan it was released in the u.s from september 28th 2006 through April 14th, 2010 on the ABC network for four seasons and a total of 85 episodes. The series stars America Ferreira as Betty Suarez, our protagonist. She is personal assistant to Daniel Mead. Eric Mabius as Daniel Mead. He is heir to Mead Publications and editor-in-chief of Mode Magazine. Vanessa Williams as Wilhelmina Slater. She is our primary antagonist. She's constantly scheming how to take control of Mode Magazine and Mead Publications. Becky Newton as Amanda Tannen Somers. She is Betty's co-worker, enemy, and later frenemy. Um, She is also, at the beginning of the series, uh, friends with benefits of Daniel's. Michael Yuri as Marcus Wiener, um, a.k.a. Mark St. James. He is Wilhelmina's personal assistant and henchman. Ashley Jensen as Christina McKinney, mode stylist and wardrobe person, and an aspiring fashion designer. She is Betty's first friend at Mode Magazine. Anna Ortiz as Hilda Suarez, later Hilda Suarez Tellerico. Uh, she is Betty's older sister and later Bobby's wife. Mark Indelicato as Justin Suarez, Hilda's son and Betty's nephew. Tony Plana as Ignacio Suarez, Betty and Hilda's father. 
Alan Dale as Bradford Mead, owner of Mead Publications, and Daniel and Alexis's father. Elizabeth Payne and Rebecca Romaine as Alexis Mead. Uh, she is Daniel's transgender older sister. Judith Light as Claire Mead, Daniel and Alexis's mother and Bradford's ex-wife. Christopher Gorman as Henry Grubstick, Betty's first serious love interest. Eric Daniel Eric Gold as Mark Hartley, another one of Betty's love interests. And last but not least, Kevin Sussman as Walter, Betty's first relationship. So these are all of our major players in a show that has a huge cast of supporting and recurring characters. And because it's a telenovela, nobody who's dead ever really stays that way. Let's get into it. Right. So Ugly Betty um, premiered in 06. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ugly Betty comes on the series in 06 and does not leave television until um, 2010. Uh, and it's it's a huge hit. It's a big hit. And I'm not surprised because actually uh, Ugly Betty will come out at the same time as Devil, The Devil Wears Prada. They both came out in the same year. And we also know that Devil Wears Prada is, you know, one of those like cult classic like big hit uh movies and there's a lot between um there's a lot that the devils were that the devil wears prada and ugly betty share in terms of what it's about and um this idea of you know ugly ducking ugly duckling lowly assistant to swan uh going out into the world to do what they they want to do female protagonists. So it so it makes sense uh that the show would be as big of a deal as it was uh in that time frame. Um w- executive produced by Selma Hayek uh in case you're wondering <laughs> why she shows up all randomly. <laughs> uh, right. They put a lot of like m- a lot of power and a lot of muscle behind the show. Right. They put a, there was a lot of power, a lot of muscle. I even re- and I do remember when this show was coming out. I remember the marketing push for it was significant cuz I do remember it being ev- like everywhere and having a conscious making a conscious choice to be like, "Huh, everybody seems to be talking about that ugly Betty show." <laughs> uh, there seems to be a lot of stuff around this, so um, I watched it. Although when it first premiered, it was given like that Friday night time slot, which like for the kids back when like <laughs> um, back before streaming was a thing, uh, Friday night time slots was like the death slot. Mm-hmm. Like if your show got put on a Friday night, it mean it means the network did not really fuck with you. <laughs> it didn't believe that you were gonna do things, uh, but. Um, Ugly Betty's first season uh, flourished despite that Friday night death slot. And they were eventually moved um, to Thursday, which is like a great Thursday nights are the big, you know, that's like, that's when you're, that's when the network believes in your show. That's when, you know, they expect you to do big things is when you get the Thursday time slot. And it it was, it was Ugly Betty. I remember was moved to Thursdays, like before Grey's Anatomy. So that's like a really good place to be. Yeah, pretty much everyone knows that, like, Thursdays, Tuesdays, and Mondays, that's when it's really popping <laughs> on TV. Nobody's sitting at home watching anything on a Friday night. 
Except if you're me who had no life at the time and was definitely watching from the beginning on Friday night. Um, (laughs) So the show's plot is that you have this girl, Betty, who wants to work in the world of fashion very, very badly. Well, she wants Um, to work in magazines. Right. She wants to work in magazines and she wants to have her own magazine one day. So she's getting her feet wet in this fashion magazine. um, But she is not conventionally attractive and she's a horrible dresser to boot. On top of that, for most of the first season, Betty's idealism and optimism and and faith in other people is something that a lot of people try to use against her to sabotage her re-watching the show it's it was really great and it was very illuminating first of all uh the 2000s were like the height of fat phobia you guys um there's so there's so much because america ferrera because they always in the pilot they're always making references to betty's weight goofing on her because of her weight america ferrera is a very like regular body type i would say she's very average very regular it's just that the production has like put her in like ill-fitting clothing to make her appear bigger than she is because even like watching re-watching the whole run of the series she's probably only like 10 pounds lighter by by the end which is nothing right um I don't know if they were trying to make her look heavier, but they, yeah, you, they did definitely put her in ill-fitting clothing that, like, was uh, squeezing and tugging on different body parts. Um, she did look way more toned by the end of the series, but definitely, like you said, not much lighter at all. While I agree that the early 2000s are, like, the height of fat phobia, because, you know what, probably the 80s. We don't give the 80s enough credit for being fat phobic. But um, the fashion industry in general is still incredibly fat phobic so she's dealing with that double-edged sword right people outside of her work think she's fat which is weird because like you said it's a very average body type but people at her work also like glamorize and glorify thinness which is already a very hostile environment in and of itself (laughs) there's so much in the series that's very ahead of its time because it does think about these things of what does that mean to to be like thinking about beauty and sort of the farce of beauty and fatness and thinness uh, that we see in certain episodes. And it's, it's cool. There's a lot that I love about the setup of this character. Something that I had forgotten that we, uh, that I, that we get in the pilot is so good. Like I did not realize that like, so we meet Betty and she's, she's working class, but she's working class, working class. Like, in terms of her family and her background, she's, you know, this Mexican American girl. She is the first in her family to go to college. And not only that, she goes to, she talks about how she went to Queens college, which like you guys, Queens college uh, in New York city is part of the CUNY system, the CUNY system. And that is, um, that's community college. Right. Yeah. That's not even like state school. It's community college. And she graduates from community college and she goes, and I love that. Cause I think now we, even in narratives, it's like all the, even the quote unquote, um, downtrodden people of color, like our heroines of color who are supposed to root for, they all go to like these elite universities for some reason. 
Right, <laughs> right. Or like they came from a rich family and didn't go to school so that they could go find themselves. <laughs> right. It's like, okay. <laughs> but she um but that she's for real scrappy and and working hard and and this pilot is really great. It re- introduces us to all our principal characters. In fact, she the the central reason why she even gets the job is that like she goes to Mead Publications because she wants to work at Mead. Um, not she doesn't really want to work at Mode. She wants to work for another magazine at Mead Publications, and they don't give her the job because she's quote unquote ugly, right? And then she's hired precisely because she's ugly because Daniel's father thinks that like, oh, she's quote unquote ugly. So my son won't sleep with her. Right. And he's correct. Um, which is interesting um, because any other show would have been like, ah, Dan is totally attracted to her. Serves you right. Um, what's super interesting about Betty is that throughout the course of the show and very early on in this first season, she's aware that she's not considered attractive, not just because of her weight, or the fact that she wears adult braces, um, but like just her face, right? Um, America Ferreira has very strong indigenous features and the rest of the cast is very wasp looking. Like even the girl who plays her sister Hilda has is, is considered more beautiful by Western beauty standards, right? She, her look is very, very distinct. And that's not a bad thing. Um, And even though people try to tell her it's a bad thing, what I love about the Betty's character is that she never apologizes for who she is, who her family is, where she went to college, what she looks like, because she shouldn't have to. (laughs) I was not used to her playing someone who was considered unattractive by other people. (laughs) By other people, right. Um, yeah, yeah. It was, it, that was a weird thing to 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 see, um, but they they really did sell that point. Like I said, because everyone around her looks so waspy and so delicate. Even the Mark character, Mark Saint James, quote unquote, uh, has the birth name Mark Weiner. So he's trying to hide like his Jewishness from the office. It's a it's a strong wasp energy that never goes away for the run of the series. Right. It's it's definitely there there throughout the run and it's it's something that um is commented upon but this first season is uh uh really good let's talk about some of these other characters um so our villain of the series is uh the incredible incomparable vanessa williams uh wilhelmina slater um wilhelmina is uh amazing (laughs) She's amazing. And shout out to that casting department for casting uh, Vanessa Williams as Wilhelmina because it's so perfect. It is. um, I think this is one of the best casting decisions that anyone has made in a long time. Like, Like, Vanessa Williams as the Ice Queen was long overdue. Uh, her temperament, her bearing, everything was just made this so perfect. Um, now, Wilhelmina is the villain because, again, this is Mead Publications. This is Bradford Mead's uh, umbrella of magazines. Every This belongs to him. His son, Daniel, is the rightful heir. So her trying to steal this is, like, underhanded as hell. However, Daniel really is as un- unqualified and... Uh, 
a dispassionate and incompetent as Wilhelmina says he is. Right. We we come at the beginning of the series of um, where Daniel is, well, Wilhelmina has been the creative director of Mode for 10 years. Um, so Or like a really long time. And she's the one that's supposed to then become editor-in-chief at Mode. And because Bratton, but Daniel um, is essentially... That he is the heir apparent, but he's not doing anything with his life. So, in order to punish him um, into, you know, being serious, getting serious, uh, and stop, you know, just sleeping with a bunch of girls or whatever, Bradford makes him editor in chief above Wilhelmina. So, at least for me, that's a I'm very sympathetic to Wilhelmina. <laughs> Same. Same. I'm very initially. I am extremely sympathetic because isn't isn't that how it always goes? You work really hard, and then some white unqualified white man just gets it because you know his daddy wants him to have it. Like I, I'm sympathetic. What makes makes it so much worse in this situation is that what she would see as this amazing opportunity and privilege, uh, Daniel is treating as. A punishment and as a burden and that's what makes it even worse because she wants it so bad and he doesn't want it and made no no secret about the fact that he doesn't want it right he, he absolutely doesn't want to be there um and so thus there and he's only and he only continues the position really to to spite Wilhelmina because he just doesn't like her <laughs> so thus begins the rivalry between between Daniel and and Wilhelmina uh, for for control of Mode magazine now, Mode magazine is obviously like a it's a nod to like Vogue magazine, and then Mead Publications, you know, Condé Nast. There's this extra plot that's happening about like Faye Summers, who was Faye Summers was uh, Wilhelmina's mentor, mm-hmm. and she used to run Mode, and and Faye Summers is styled the the character Faye Summers is styled to look like Anna Wintour, and obviously like. You know, Summers, Wintour, like there, there's like a play on the name happening. Right. So Faye Summers is the only reason why Amanda has a job there because she's the most incompetent person at Mode, but like her mom's an icon. So they're like, here, girl, here's this ridiculous position that doesn't mean anything that you can't fuck up, but out of respect for your mom, we're going to give you this little job. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, let's talk about Amanda. So Mark and Amanda, because uh, they they'll sort of be a pair. Uh, they'll come as a pair uh, throughout the se- uh, throughout the series. Um, Amanda is the receptionist who works at, and she um, is a. She finds out, I think, later that she's adopted, and then uh, finds out later that her birth mother is the infamous Faye Summers, who used to run Mode magazine and is very famed. And she and Mark sort of have these comedic become a comedic pair and have these bits with each other and they they're friends and um they are uh enemies to our our plucky heroine betty suarez yeah they start off as enemies and then frenemies and then at least she and mark actually become friends down the line um, but they kind of have the, Mark and Amanda have that sort of dynamic that, uh, Emily Blunt and Giselle had in the Devil Wears Prada, except they're funny. Yeah, true. 
<laughs> like I'm just kidding what it is. Like they're both fashion snobs. Both sets are fashion snobs. They take their jobs very, very seriously. Um, Mark is definitely the Emily of the situation, right? He takes his he- job incredibly seriously. Right. He's out here eating one piece of cheese and, um, you know, dying, almost dying in the street for Hermes scarves. <laughs> That's definitely his his beat. Um, then we have the rest of Betty's family, her dad, uh, Ignacio, her sister Hilda, who is your classic uh, Jackson, Jackson Heights, New York, like girl, like Queens, New York girl. And then Betty's young nephew, Justin, who is also another, like, I think he serves, like, he's Betty's conscience, essentially. And he, he serves, Justin initially is sort of just Betty's conscience. And then he will become, like, his more own fully formed person later on in the series. It's the word conscience that's rubbing me because I always feel like Betty has always had, like, a really great moral center. I always, I initially saw Justin more as like almost like a fairy god nephew. He tutors her, mentors her in all things fashion because her nephew is actually quite fashionable. <laughs> well, I guess conscience. Yeah, that might be the wrong word. I like cheerleader. He's like yes. her, her cheerleader. Yeah, he really is like Team Betty, and he does everything he can to help her adjust to life at mode. Now she's like, "Oh, these people are awful. They're terrible. Blah blah blah. I I hate it here, but I'm gonna like do what I have to do and do my job right." But Justin really, really admires uh, Betty's Betty's job, so he like does whatever he needs to do to help her like thrive there. So some big things that, that happen throughout the course of the season, like we find out that her dad is undocumented and then he gets deported back to uh, Mexico. We also learn, which is so good. It's something I did not realize that this show like went ahead and like tackled immigration uh, issues like head on. And I think the show does a really decent job of humanizing like how violent that is to do to people like why that's so violent to do to people who Mm -hmm. are here because it really does like tear apart families and and we see that it does tear apart Betty and her family we find out that Daniel's uh brother who everybody thought was dead is actually not dead uh and just underwent um a gender transformation and is actually just trans and is a trans woman played by uh, Rebecca Romaine. It sucks that they get like a cis woman to play a trans woman. Yeah, um, partic- that does suck. It does suck. It's better than them casting a male actor and putting a male actor in a dress and, and a wig and makeup. It's much better than that, but it, it also sucks. Um, I feel like they could have called Candace Kane. Candace Kane was on a show that year called Dirty Sexy Money. Um, Candace mm-hmm. Kane could have really done a good job with Alexis Mead, but whatever. Right, right. I mean, I agree with all the points you made. Um, I, I honestly think that besides the fact that Hollywood has a very, very large problem with not casting trans um, actors um, to play trans characters. I think they were trying to capitalize off of Rebecca Romaine's uh, star power as well. Right. She's somebody that people, Rebecca Romaine is somebody that people love. And I think around this time she was coming off the, the X-Men movies. 
is mm-hmm. Mystique, right? So that also, I'm sure, was a thought. And like I said, it's at least it's a cis woman and not like a man in a dress, which is, which is very violent for reasons that um, lots of trans women will tell you why that's violent. Um, and uh, we end the season with, uh, but we end the season in, with a big sort of tumultuous uh, thing where Justin's father, Justin's biological father, who had re-entered into their lives, is shot um, and and dies. And that's our first season. Listen, there's a lot that happens in this first season. <laughs> Listen, I said this before we started recording. I'm going to say it again. Ugly Betty walked so that Jane the Virgin could run. Not only, like you said, the characters have very, very similar um, personalities, lots of heart, lots of optimism, lots of integrity, but the shows do a really good job of walking that fine line between comedy and drama, between whimsical and reality. So well. So well. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. But this season, like, it, it, you know, besides Justin's dad dying, uh, Betty and her, her first boyfriend, Walter, had broken up, and she had a chance at real love with Henry. But then Henry, uh, you know, during a trip home, while he and Betty were broken up, he got his ex-girlfriend Charlie pregnant. So, you know, that that's done now. Um, but we definitely got to see Betty bloom from this ridiculous relationship with Walter that they were both just in because they were clearly bored to uh, having a real romance and real chemistry with this Henry guy who's hot um, and seeing that kind of like, you know, take a take a detour. Um, Betty really, I think, went through such a, a coming of age just in the first season alone. Right. Like I said, there's like this, this first season is nonstop. There's like a lot, a lot that happens. Um, it's packed with like a lot of stuff. Uh, it's clear that they, you know, really just wanted to go all out and just deliver like a really solid first season. And I think they do. Um, and like I said, there's so much in the same way that there's a lot that happens on Jane the Virgin on that in that first season that that's really packed is it's the same. It's the same here in Ugly Betty. Um, there's a lot of and when we talk about Jane the Virgin, I think I'll, I'll probably reference Ugly Betty a lot. There's just a lot of there's a lot of Ugly Betty and Jane the Virgin and, and vice versa. Uh, but that is that first season. So what do you think about about this first season? Ooh, that for, okay, so I love a good cliffhanger. I do. And we had like three cliffhangers on that first season. The series fun, the season finale aside, I think the character development was so great in that first season. The plot was pitch perfect. The casting was perfect. I give the the first season an excellent. What about you? Same. It's a solid, it's a solid, uh, excellent, uh, good. Um, it's very, like I said, there's so much, there's a, there's a lot that could have gotten lost because, because they are juggling so many elements and so many lines, uh, with regards to plot and character and it could have easily gotten really lost, but, but they always make sure they ground the ridiculous elements of the show in like deep emotional truths. And these actors really find 
these characters and they do it so well. And I, ne- I don't feel, even though like it's a lot and it's moving fast, I don't feel that. And that's ultimately, uh, that's to be applauded. So yeah, it's a, it's a mm-hmm. solid, excellent for me. Right, right. Now that first season was 23 episodes and I really feel like they did what they had to do with every single one of them. I don't feel like there was a lot of filler or fluff or unnecessary information. Even if something appears casual, like in episode eight, by episode 12 at the latest, it's going to be reincorporated into the plot. So um, I really feel like the writer's room, we don't think them enough on these shows, but they really did what they had to do with that first season. Second season, we jump right into all of these cliffhangers. It's been three weeks since um, Ignacio has been, um, uh, since the finale, excuse me, Ignacio's still in Mexico, Hilda's grieving Justin's father, um, Amanda finds out that, you know, uh, you know, has uh, finds out that uh, Faye Summers is her birth mother, um, he- Betty's dealing with, you know, losing Henry who had to go back and be with his ex because she's expecting his child. Alexis wakes up from her coma and has absolutely no, no recollection of her gender affirmation surgeries or, you know, anything of that nature. So we, they come in like full steam ahead, no stone left unturned. <laughs> right. Right. It is like, it's like, let's go. We're doing it. Balls to the wall. It's great. It's really, really great. And this season, I feel, is a very solid, like, before we even get into this, I feel like it's really solidly stands up and continues the story and the message of the first season, which is important to me. Don't give me a first season and then try to act brand new and do brand new things in the second season. Right. No, I agree. I would say this, like, usually shows take a minute to, like, try to understand, like, what they're doing. And I don't feel that in Ugly Betty, to be honest. Like, it feels, the the first and the second season, it feels like the creator, like, knew what they were doing, knew what they wanted to do, understood their show, and, like, just fucking went for it. And I, I appreciate that. I mean, I I had to give my kudos to America Ferreira, too. That girl can pick a script. Shout out to you, America. Bless you. I've never seen her do a bad uh, movie. And when it comes to TV shows, she picks the winners. Like, there's just no getting around that. She had five seasons on Superstore, which is in its sixth season right now. And she's a producer on that show. And it's a completely different show. It's 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 a comedy it's a, you know, it's a sitcom, but that show gives that same strong, we know what we're doing energy. (laughs) Like it doesn't feel like anybody's floundering to figure out what they should be doing or what the show's about. Right. No, I agree with that. Um, I agree with that. And so, so yeah, that's where we, that's where we pick up with this second season. And the second season is really good I like this second season so some stuff that happens so so in the second season Betty actually gains a new love interest we get like a love triangle thing going um there is you know Henry does come back and he is vying for Betty's affections but there's a new love interest in uh Gio who is the sandwich guy at Mode, and he like brings people sandwiches like that's his deal and we we get like a whole whole thing thing stirring. Betty has real options. So beyond the love, we see Betty actually going back to school and trying to like improve her write her writing because she wants to be a writer. And something that I really appreciated about 
this development and honestly just the series in general is that they do put that that is like a something that is always a focus and it is central to the character and I, I really love about you know Betty is always beyond everything that is happening Betty's always you know trying to get better she's hungry to be better she's hungry to really do what she wants out of life and I would say that this second season is uh, and will will end the season in a really great way in terms of Betty figuring out like herself. And that is something that I do think is really wonderful in Chef's Kiss about the season is that it is, you know, is, is that choice that they make uh, ultimately at the end of the season. But before we get to that, um, there are some other things that are happening. Cause like we said, there's a, the show is like really intense. Um, so Wilhelmina's new scheme is in the second season is to uh, seduce uh Bradford and marry him so that she can be editor in chief at Mode and get the respect that she deserves and and own a a part of Mead publications. Um, it does not go how she plans it. Uh, and yeah, it's it's definitely a sight to 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 hold. She um Bradford ends up dying on her and then she like uh and then she like our our wonderful person before us mary jane um steals bradford's sperm uh, to fertilize one of her eggs so that she mm-hmm. can have a child and um get into the mead fortune and legacy that way right i mean the wedding did happen. I mean, I think he got like he 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 went into ICU shortly after the I do's, but it's official, girl. Um, and Victoria Beckham was the maid of honor. Shout out to that. <laughs> that was that was such a that was such a goofy episode. But yeah, um, it was weird. So, um, she did take his sperm. Um, but then when he like woke up, he did become like aware of this. So I guess it's. The whole thing was handled badly, but Wilhelmina, yeah, yeah, it was Wilhelmina though enlists Christina, the stylist at Mode, to be her surrogate, her and Bradford's surrogate. The thing though is, she was not supposed to have sex, but Christina's husband came to to find her and convince her to come back home with him all the way from Scotland, and they got it in. So then this baby arrives. Who's clearly not Wilhelmina and Bradford's baby. Right. Uh, a mess. A, a mess. mess. <laughs> <laughs> like, why? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's working. Um, also, Amanda continues the search for her her birth father. Uh, that is uh, Amanda's arc this season. And... Yeah. And she doesn't find him until, like, the last episode of, of season four, right? Like, the series yeah. finale. And she yeah. finds her dad. So they keep this going for a long time. We love this high tension. We really do. I don't think I would have been with it if she was the protagonist. Like, just tell us who it is already. But because she's a supporting character, I actually like this for her. And I think Amanda matures a lot uh, once she this becomes her focus. Yeah, this is this is definitely Amanda's Amanda's next arc and um it's it works. It's good. 
so uh so at the so the season ends with um Henry Henry is moving to um by the way, Ignacio's immigration stuff does get worked out, uh, or it's being worked on, but he he does spend largely the season absent still. Um, but uh, the season ends with uh, Betty and Betty having to choose between going to Tucson, Arizona, with Henry, who is moving to Tucson with to be with Charlie and the baby, but he's not with Charlie just um, that he's not, yeah, he's not like they're not together that he's going to go to Tucson to like co-parent and uh, Gio asks, Gio asks um, Betty to run away with him for the summer to go to Rome. Uh, And it is, and um. This is a great season finale, by the way. There's so much that's happening in the season finale that I'll I'll get to. But like I said, what's really excellent about this is that Betty uh, chooses herself, which is awesome. That And that's how we... She doesn't go to Tucson and she doesn't go to Rome. She tells uh, Henry... She breaks up with both Henry and Gio and she tells them, you know, I realized this year that I need to figure out who I am. Right. I mean, good for Betty. Personally, choosing myself would be choosing the Roman holiday with the guy who's not a baby daddy. But that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's how I'm living. But, you know, good for you, Betty. Good for you. (laughs) All I know was that situation with Henry was just not sustainable, sis. It's just not. (laughs) It it really wasn't. But, um, (laughs) she... But I do like that she doesn't go with Gio either. Although I I would say that I would have chosen the Roman holiday without Gio. I'd have been like, I know you want to come and everything, but I think I just want to be by myself. Right, because who's um, not going to go to Rome for the summer? Right. And not only that, the Rome trip is all expenses paid by Daniel. Daniel's paying for it. If you don't hop on that plane, girl, stop playing right now. Go find yourself abroad. You know what my great-grandmother used to say? Life is like a book. And if you don't travel, you're always stuck on the first chapter. Um, that's true. Uh, but, yeah, Betty chooses Betty chooses to go. Betty chooses herself. And, and I love that. And I love that choice. I love that for the character. It feels real for the character. And I love that um, with that choice, it's it's about, you know, it does feel authentic for a young, um, a younger woman to sort of be like, you know, I, I need to know who I am and, and I need to focus on who I am and what I want and the things I want out of life. Um, some other things that are happening, Hilda breaks up with her married boyfriend. Uh, Something that's really funny about Hilda's married boy married boyfriend is that it's her married boyfriend is played by Eddie Cibrian, who was actually cheating on his wife with Leanne Rhymes at the time. <laughs> so that's like a really messy bit of casting. Shout out to the casting director. I mean, in Eddie's offense, he didn't have to cheat with Leanne very long because them pictures got to back to his wife before he got back from shooting Northern Lights. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Listen, it was very, it was very, very brief affair. And then his wife was like, I'm out. And then Leanne's (laughs) husband was like, I'm out. (laughs) But that was the messiest casting in the world. And I love to see it. Right? It was so messy. Um, Another thing, uh, Ignacio is, does return home and he is home and they all celebrate that. Uh, We are introduced to our our villain of the next season uh kimmy kimmy keegan played by um lindsey lohan and uh oh and daniel finds out that he is has a baby somewhere by a french hand model who comes to see him and and yeah and that's how we end uh uh, and the second season. Also, there's an amazing sequence. There's an amazing, uh, uh, like scene where like they're playing, uh, where like mode is playing L in like a softball charity game. And <laughs> Naomi Campbell <laughs> makes a guest appearance. And, uh, it's incredible because she, oh my gosh, hold on. I, she says they, she gets one line, but the line she gets is like truly incredible, and I need to find it. Hold on, <laughs> it's so good because she like brings out a cell phone and everyone ducks the gig. Mm-hmm. So that's funny that she's like making fun of herself, and then like I think she says, "Oh no, darling, I'm at like," <laughs> and she names some other magazine. Like she doesn't even know that she's at like a mode charity softball game. She's like, "Oh no, darling, it's for the, it's for the it's." It's it's like a it's Marie Claire for the children, and I'm just like this is this is everything I want in life. <laughs> like this is this is peak, <laughs> um, and it's really great. But overall, uh, season two, good, bad, or basic. I give season two a very good like. Season one was a lot to live up to, I'm not going to lie, but I think season two was steady. It was consistent. It gave us more of the stories and the characters that we love. Like you said, I love all the guest stars, Lindsay Lohan, Naomi Campbell, Victoria Beckham. This show, the 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 budget for getting these people was very well spent. I'm going to just say <laughs> um, Season two was great. I love season two. Same. I love season two. I think season two is a solid, solid good. It's a, it's a really strong, it's another really strong season. I, like I said, I love this ending. I love all these characters. I love the, the arcs of these characters. And I think it all feels really great and authentic to what the show has established itself to be. And I think that's all you can ask out of, out of a series so far. So then uh, season three, we pick up. So season three, we pick up um, Betty, like we said, did not marry uh, Henry and she did not go to Rome, but she did go across the country. That's what we find out Betty did with, with her, with her summer, her, her time off was that she, she uh went across the United States of America with by herself, just traveled along the 50 states, by finding herself and and who she wants to be. Right. And so listen, I'm glad that you got to travel this big, beautiful country. And gosh, the US has so many beautiful sights and beautiful sounds. But you know, it's not every day your boss is gonna pay for you to go to Rome, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. 
I'm just saying. So season three, like, and I said, I really feel like every single season, Betty has this great metamorphosis and coming of age, which is she does. It's really great. (laughs) It's so good to watch Betty's glow up, not just physically, but like mentally she becomes more assertive she becomes sharper she becomes more resourceful she becomes more engaging um she learns better um how to communicate with her peers like it's just really really great things happening all right. around and she we does love- all of those yeah and she does all those things without sacrificing the, the core character and, and who she is she still retains that sort of eternal optimism and um faith in people and faith in people doing the right thing. And, and something that I really love about the series in general is that over the course of the series, instead of all these nightmare, horrible people in, you know, Wilhelmina and Mark and Amanda and, da- and Daniel really, cause Daniel is a nightmare person as well. Um, and the Mead family, instead of them in this environment, which is, which is a very hostile environment, instead of all those things changing her, she changes them. And I, I really love that. Betty basically does at mode what all the quote unquote good cops who joined the Academy think they're going to do. Basically, essentially. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, like I'm going to change the system from the inside out. No, honey, only Betty Suarez did that. <laughs> only. Yeah. Are you, you, you're, and you're not Betty. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, we pick up with that. We also pick up, uh, in the season, in the season two finale, um, Daniel was pushed out as editor in chief of mode by Alexis who had regained her memory by then. And so Wilhelmina is now officially editor in chief and Daniel has been moved to a different magazine, magazine at Mead publications. He is no longer, editor-in-chief of Mode. He's editor-in-chief of Player Magazine, which is essentially like a, it's not even like, I want, I don't even want to, it's not even Playboy, really. It's, it's, it's like GQ. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like a budget GQ. Cause I feel like GQ has come up in recent years. Yeah, um, I have. It's definitely like, I won't say the poor man GQ, but like the lazy man GQ. <laughs> de- definitively. Yeah. It's the lazy man's GQ. Um, and Betty has joined him there at Player Mag. De- Betty has joined Daniel at Player Magazine to work, and uh, she's not feeling it. And I don't blame her. I wouldn't be feeling it. E- I would not be feeling it either. We're introduced to like our central villain, who or like antagonist to Betty, uh, Kimmy Keegan, played by Lindsay Lohan. Were you distracted by Lindsay Lohan? Because I was distracted by Lindsay Lohan. I actually was whatever the opposite of distracted is because for the life of me, I did not even remember that Lindsay Lohan had been on Ugly Betty until the rewatch. I did not remember her. I (laughs) I didn't remember her either. But once she was there, I was like, oh, I don't want this. (laughs) Like, Like, I liked the plot and I really liked the idea of it. Um. Because, so, Kimmy Keegan, the character, is, like, this high school, quote-unquote, like, it's Betty's old high school enemy who is down on her luck, who comes, who ends up uh, working at Mode with Betty. And the whole idea of the Kimmy Keegan plot is to help Betty, like, is, um, 
is to help Betty realize to let go of her past, essentially, and to help Betty realize that, like, the past is in the past and she's not the same person who she used to be. Um, And really internalize that idea. Uh, So I like it for that. But like, uh, and ultimately Betty does defeat Kimmy Keegan because Betty's changed, but Kimmy hasn't. And so that's cool. But like, Lindsay Lohan playing her was not it for me. Right. So I had to ask myself, uh, Betty lives in this community with other Mexican-Americans and some Italian-Americans. She went to Queens College. I don't believe that she and someone like Kimmy went to the same school. Oh, like, you don't even believe they went to the same high school? I believe that. Specifically the same high school. If they had met at Queens College, I'd, I'd, I'd give it a pass. But I'm like, I haven't seen a single person who looks like that in Betty's neighborhood. I mean, there's tons of white people. Betty lives in Jackson Heights. uh, Right, right. Queens. There's a lot of white people there. And I'm just, she just feels like, like, like so, um, like a square peg in a round hole in that situation. And I'm like, literally nothing was stopping y'all from hiring another Mexican actress. Just get someone hot and uppity and cast her. No, I feel what you're saying. And I, I agree with you on that point. There is like, I mean, and and I guess now we can start talking about some of the pitfalls that this series uh, falls into. So, and this is definitively, I think, one of them. So, Lindsay Lohan is distracting to me, but I also feel what you're saying. Queens is an extremely diverse community. Um, every like every type of person lives in Queens, and there is like a whiteification that's happening in this show. <laughs> right and it's particularly egregious since like the show is in like new york new york city and listen i buy that mode would be a really white place that makes sense to me but if the story is specifically about somebody from betty's past yes it was a it was a prime example to cast some cast someone uh another person of color and they should have taken that instead of letting Lindsay Lohan do whatever she was doing there. I mean, yeah, I know, I know you guys like to recycle the same Mexican actresses over and over and over again, and you love casting South Americans as Mexicans. But just cast somebody who looks like, uh, you know, um, a mestizo or an Afro-Latino. This isn't hard. This isn't as hard as you guys are trying to make it out to be. And I know Lindsay needed that check, so she's not going to say no. But y'all were wrong for casting her. <laughs> right. I think this was, like, I think when they, like, this is, like, when Lindsay Lohan, like, was, what, like, in rehab for, like, the 10th t- the time. Like, obviously, we talked about Alexis being played by, by Rebecca Romaine. But also, they, like, they love to throw around uh, the T word, the slur for trans women. That's weird. <laughs> like, that happens a lot. As well it, as it's um, upsetting me and my homegirls. It really it is. is definitively. It's it's upsetting me and my homegirls, and um and like you said and like we said, it's like it's pretty white. And then uh, there's also this thing that's happening where by season three you have Mark and Amanda are like this definitive pair, uh, in that like they come together. They're the the show has put them together and they're friends, but also like Mark is such a one dimensional character. 
And it's right. awkward because he's the only other openly queer character beyond right. Alexis, who by now is um, is still on the show. Right. So this is a, an issue that I've had with a lot of series and television, uh, uh, television shows and movies, mostly movies, but Mark is a good example of it on TV. And I had a thread about this on our old Twitter page before Twitter decided to be a hater. Uh, just like we have like the, you know, token black friend, we do have the token gay friend trope. Damien from Mean Girls is a really good example of this, where he just basically exists to solve Janice and Katie's problems. Mark is a good example of this also. Not necessarily in a gay best friend role, though he is Amanda's best friend, but in the sassy gay friend role. All he does is provide comic relief as the sassy gay guy. There was so much room for growth when he's introduced in season one. And, you know, we kind of got a little backstory about how he's still in the closet to his mother. And they, we could have really seen Mark mature and grow. But he's always in the sassy gay guy role. And it's really unfortunate because Michael Yuri, who plays Mark, is really talented. Right, right. Yeah, he's just a one-dimensional character. Like, Mark doesn't really do anything beyond what he's doing. And and granted that will change in fourth and fifth season slightly, but not enough for my taste. He is a supporting character, but he's also Betty's foil, right? Um mm-hmm. and it's 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 weird to not have a have Betty's foil be developed in in a significant way. Um so right. that we understand his motivations for sort of taking all this nastiness from Wilhelmina and and perpetuating his own nastiness. Right. Um, I think that's one of my bigger problems. Like you said, by that final season, the fourth season, he has started to evolve a little bit, but it feels like too little too late because even when he's being nasty to Betty in the previous seasons, it's not even for his own motivations. It's like always at the whims of Wilhelmina. Like he's, he feels like an extension of Wilhelmina's arm. Right, exactly. That's a great way to put it. It's also something that bug that's bugged me throughout the the run of the series, and you you mentioned it first in a private conversation. Uh, but I sort of I had to like really think on it. Betty is berated like racially often throughout yes. the series by pretty much all the characters. Like Daniel takes shot, Claire does, Wilhelmina does, Mark. Mark and Amanda do often in a way that is really uncomfortable. And I had to really think about it. And I, and like I, so like I said earlier, this is Mead Publications. It's supposed to be Condé Nast. And like anybody who sort of knows anything about Condé Nast knows that Condé Nast is um, notoriously racist. Um, (laughs) Like, I mean, lawsuits. Lots of lawsuits. <laughs> um, settled out of court, but lots of lawsuits nonetheless about their racism. And Vogue is also notoriously racist. I think Andre Leon Talley just wrote an entire book about um, recently. The fact that this environment would be hostile to Betty in that way makes sense to me. But I think it doesn't fit with the overall tone of the show. And if you want me as a viewer, as an audience member, to ultimately root for these people, which I think it does, um, mm-hmm. by the end, by fourth season, like y- 
and not even fourth season, by by now, honestly, uh, particularly the second half of third throughout the entire fourth season, um, the show, I think, actively wants you to root for each and every single one of these characters. Uh, so if that is the point, then... Like the like, it's just not needed, and it's not a good look. Right, I agree with that. Honestly, I feel like by the second half <clears throat> of the second season, they should have gotten their lives in order because by that point, Betty had saved everyone's ass at least once. She had already proved that she was good at her job. She knew what she was doing. And she shouldn't have had to prove that she was good at her job to get basic respect, but it is what it is. That's how it is in most working environments. But yeah, these people are nasty and I don't want to root for them. <laughs> right, right. It it messes with the tone of the show and it messes with, I think, what, like I said, like the, it's, you know, we are trying to, the show is trying to get me to, to sort of see the more human side of all these characters. And it's, it doesn't particularly work if they're like, berating her for being uh mexican like um and and uh metiza so that's weird but other things that happen in season three mark does have some development though in the second half of this third season uh mark gets a boyfriend and mark does have to have to contend with his sort of bias um against uh what he because he does get a boyfriend named cliff but he doesn't like Cliff at first because he thinks like Cliff is too fat and like he's not pretty enough for him. And he's not f- like Cliff doesn't fit into Mark's own narrow standards of, of beauty. And mm-hmm. that's interesting because uh, that's really, really interesting, actually, because like that is like a thing among gay men. Um Right. About these like really narrow, impossible sort of uh, standards of beauty that they subject themselves to. So no that fats, was no femmes, no blacks, no Asians. <laughs> that's yeah. that's like the grinder tag that everyone's got. Got um, right. Which is really disconcerting. Really disconcerting. Right. It's extremely disconcerting. Uh, but we have we have that, and we we see that arc, and then and what's interesting about that is that like we see him contend with that, but then we also have see him come to the realization that like he is so bad in relationships we see mark realize like he doesn't have healthy relationships and and why is that like why does he not have like a steady loving boyfriend or healthy relationships in the way that betty has been able to form them right right and um that's because he's toxic. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, Mark is a really toxic person, which which it stands to reason that his best friend, Amanda, is a similarly toxic and broken person different in different ways, but they're both broken and very toxic. And as Amanda starts to work on uh, the root of her trauma, finding who her parents are, she starts to heal. And Mark needs to heal from his internalized uh, uh, femphobia and his fat phobia, um, and his general dismissal of anyone who he thinks, um, won't serve him. So Mark has internalized a lot of opportunistic behaviors as well. So if you can't help him level up in his career, then you're not even worthy to him. Right. Exactly. 
But yeah, Mark is toxic, and it would it would have been nice not just to see him evolve from that toxicity, but become a fully fudged person in his own right, and not just an extension of Wilhelmina's power and Wilhelmina's little henchman. When I think of Mark and Wilhelmina, I automatically think of 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 Isma and Kronk from the Emperor's New School. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the sort of relationship they have <laughs> but um i would have liked to see better for mark but i do think that with the material given michael yuri did do a great job with him right um and i agree i agree with that uh and it's and at least it, it but it is welcome um also betty start also something that i like about this season is that he not only does he come to that realization, but then we also see Mark uh, apply for this the Yeti Young Editors Training Initiative. Both Medi- both Betty and Mark apply to this um, mentorship program thing called Yeti. And for the first time, we see that Mark does have ambitions, big amb- ambitions beyond Wilhelmina and ambitions beyond, beyond mode. Um, like I said, it's too little too late, but at least it's happening. And I do appreciate that and seeing that in the third season. Like, Mark does care about his career and he does really care about this and, and has and, and is thinking beyond that. Um, uh, and so, so, yeah, I really like that. Also, this season, in the back half of the third season, Betty starts dating a billionaire. She starts Woo! dating that 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 real that real mm, that real good good like they they got money for real for real, uh, and child she messes it up. Whew, that hurt me. I'm not gonna lie. <sighs> Betty, 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 sis, what are we gonna do with you? Haven't you found yourself enough? Um, no, but seriously, she backslides. <laughs> Ladies, beware of backsliding. That's your ex for a reason. she backslides she messes up and she loses a chance of a with a man who not only has like serious wealth but is also a pretty decent person um and he cheats her well he's very serious about courting her and you know i guess i guess this needed to happen because you know i guess the moral the story's trying to pitch us is that if she had allowed herself to give into this relationship, she would have lost sight of her goals, blah, blah, blah. Like, you can't have goals and a rich man at the same time. That's ridiculous. <laughs> right. <laughs> but because, that's what happens. Right. Because the, the, the thing, the reason is that um, she, he's like, he's not really, Matt is, Matt is uh, a very aimless person. Like, and I guess, that's and 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 listen i will say that's interesting and i think it's interesting that the show like went with that that like matt has all this money but ultimately he he doesn't know who he is and he's 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 just aimless because like the whole matt's whole thing is, is that he has like half of a law he has like a law degree and half of a veterinarian degree and like he has all these, he's done, and, like, he's a, this extremely accomplished pianist, but he's not really doing anything, right, with, with any of it. I hate capitalist culture and this insistence that everybody needs to be doing something. <laughs> First of all, Betty, you know what you want to do, and you know who you are, and he's not stopping you from doing that. So go and be that, and just let that man keep going to school like those vampires in Twilight. 
You know what? That's, that's what brings what him joy. Like, do him. <laughs> I was like, how incredible that must be. You just kind of just do stuff. I'm not going to lie. I was really jealous of Matt. Like, and yeah, the show's like, isn't that so terrible how he has all this money and he just does things and he does nothing really? And I'm like, that's my dream. Why is learning things a bad thing? Why is going to school and learning new skills, learning more about the world around you, being able to invest in your hobbies, why is that a bad thing? Right? I was like... Say that like, so it sounds bad, please. <laughs> <laughs> they, the show definitely de- definitively takes that position that uh, Matt, Matt's wealth has made him aimless and therefore not really that great of a per- person. But I was like, but that's my dream, though. <laughs> <laughs> and how is he less of a person um, when like, he he knows how to treat people? He has good character. He has integrity. Um, and, you know, uh, he appreciates Betty for who he is, for who she is. He appreciates her mind. He appreciates her, her beauty. Um, like, what is wrong with that? Um, and honestly, in a perfect circumstance, in an ideal relationship, you would need a Matt and you would need a Betty. You would need someone who, um, you know, has uh, ideas and opinions, but isn't so married to their work and can therefore compromise for their partner. And you would need a Betty. You would need someone who is very, very passionate about her work and maybe even a workaholic. And these two can bring balance to each other's lives. Her her passion for her work might inspire him into finally finding his own passion. I don't understand this need for uh, Betty to find herself a male counterpart that's exactly like her. Right, right. Uh, exactly. I, I mean, and it's not like he's going broke with this, you know, endless stream of education. He's a billionaire. It's impossible to go broke when you have billions of dollars. <laughs> he's not hurting anybody. <laughs> let that man live. Um, let let him live. If I were Betty, I would inspire him to like, you know, start a scholarship fund for kids in in in, in Jackson Heights, and I would just let that man live. <laughs> Exact right, like that's what that's what you you need to do. Um, and it's sad when Matt and Betty break up because first of all, she like I said, girl, she did all this for Henry. Girl, Henry, Henry, <laughs> better leave that baby daddy alone. I know that's why she didn't go to Rome too because she didn't want she did was she wasn't trying to roll up in Tucson, but she didn't want Henry to think that she was choosing Geo, and that's the real reason why she didn't go to Rome, and we all know that. <laughs> um, I was like, girl, Henry, and so then Matt, like, so then she kisses Henry, and Matt, like, sees, and she's like, oh, I was just backsliding, and he's like, okay, girl, but I loved you, like. Right, and, and now I can't trust you. Right, it's like, now I can't trust you, so now we can't be together. And I hated that for her. I was like, girl, you you messed, you messed up with the, you messed up not only with the billionaire, but a billionaire whose mama did not even like you. You know right. how hard that is to overcome? Right, right. And now you're just proving her right, because now you're like the poor girl who's not even that attractive, and she don't know what her son sees in you. And now you out here tell, showing that this woman that you're promiscuous to hate it, hate it, hate it, hate, hate it. it. Yeah, and for Henry, she became the villain for Henry. <sighs> I just can't. Her and this man. I mean, but I get it. Whatever. But 
So, so, uh, uh, this is like when Gossip Girl sabotaged Blair and Dan's relationship. What was the reason? What was the reason? And Blair and Prince's relationship. What was the reason? Chuck. Chuck, really? Chuck. Y'all did that for Chuck? (laughs) For Chuck? For Charles? I know that ain't. Nope. 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 So, what do we think of season three, girl? Season three is good. Uh, I like it. Um, the show, so the first two seasons were actually shot in LA and uh, the show moves to New York in season three. And it, you can tell it's very, dif- it's, it's so crazy how you can really tell that the show is finally being shot in the place that it's set. Um, and I think it's, the show's actually better for it. Um, whether you like it or not, New York is just one of those cities uh like um i think lagos like uh paris like um havana that just has like a very specific like that's just so specific um it has just like a really specific has a specificity to it and a certain mood and air and it and it comes across on screen um and you can always tell when <laughs> uh you can always tell when a show is not being, is not actually being shot there because like once it is like, I think the definitive mood of the series changes in, in a way that's tangible. And I felt that, um, with season three of, of Betty, uh, sorry, that's not neither here nor there. It's, it, it doesn't make the season any better. I think it makes, I think it's actually, I do. I think it's the, the season is better for actually being shot in New York. Um, that's what I wanted to say. Uh, it's very good. I, I like season three. I think there's part of season three that like lags to me. Like once we get to the mid season, it feels sort of sluggish for for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah. I agree with all of that. I mean, honestly, I think they did a good job in first two seasons trying to convince us that this was New York. It looked as un-LA as LA has ever looked. I'll give them right? that. <laughs> but, but, but. We know when things are in New York. We know when things are in D.C. And we know when things are in Seattle because it has a very definitive look and a very definitive feel. Um, and, you know, they could have saved 15% or more by just shooting it in New York in the first place. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> the problem that I have with season three, besides it feeling very sluggish, like you said, I definitely got that vibe, was that... I think this season spends too much time on Betty's love life. And what I mean by that is it's not that I don't think Betty deserves a love life. I absolutely feel that she does. But for starting in this season and through uh, the series uh, finale, they spent all this time trying to build up Betty's love life without actually giving her a stable one, which I don't like. Mm. Like, her relationship with Walter was basura, so that doesn't count. Um, But everybody else, they're building us up, and then it never goes anywhere. Mm. There's always some reason why Betty can't just get her man, the right man, and just be happy. I feel that. Like, I I feel that. I feel that criticism. Um, In the first half of season three, Betty has, like, a crush on her next door neighbor and it goes like nowhere like I don't even know what the point of it was and it and it I felt like it took up space and I do think there could have 
And I do think if they had found a way to introduce this Matt character earlier and then have them sustain a relationship throughout the whole season, that could have felt better. Right. Or even if Matt was the one who, you know, doesn't have these ambitions and doesn't have this whatever, and maybe it starts to grade on Betty, and then he's the one that has a, a, a baby, a side baby, and this allows her to be with this more grounded person in Henry, that would have made more sense. Wait, are you, did you mean to switch that? No, no, I mean exactly what I say. She had started off with Matt, and then Matt's the one who ended up with the side baby. And then she takes into perspective, okay, he has a baby, he doesn't really know what he wants, but look at Henry, he's grounded, he's childless, and she ends up with Henry, that would have made sense. Oh, you're talking about, like, if they had introduced this Matt person, like, all the way in, like, season one. Exactly, as that oh, okay. first initial love interest. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe like in the back half of season one or beginning of season two, we meet we meet uh, we meet Matt. Um, but Henry maybe was always there in a friend capacity, and mm-hmm. then their relationship is allowed to blossom when things end with her and Matt. That would have made more sense. Y'all just keep throwing Betty these these ridiculous curveballs. Um, and it feels like they're you're they're actively trying to prevent her from having a romantic relationship, and I don't like that. <laughs> mm. Okay, right, right. Because like I mean, her and Henry do have a romantic relationship. It's just that like it 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 doesn't. But then he went yeah. home, and on one right. night with his ex girlfriend, who he dated for four years and never got pregnant. Now all of a sudden, after one night together, she's pregnant. Okay. You know what? Y'all just hate that girl. Just say that. <laughs> just, just say right. that. Just right. say that. That doesn't make any sense to me. And her and, Ke- and Henry, the reason why I would want them together as Endgame and her dating Matt first is so that she can kind of get that feel of what it's like to date the rich guy. Make him a little bit of a playboy. Make him a little bit aimless. And then with Henry, she has this grounding. She has this stability. But she and the actor who uh, plays Henry have great chemistry as well. So it's not just, oh, we're together because it looks good on paper like she had with Walter, but that she has a real partner with a mutual romantic interest and sexual interest in her. Mm-hmm. Like, why can't she have that? <laughs> That's true. And I and I guess then we can feel less bad about... We can feel, like, more... I don't know. I, I think that, I think there's a... I, I get... I, I hear... I receive what you're saying, and I don't think it's bad. Um, uh, I... Yeah, I don't think it's bad. It makes sense. I just... But I don't know. Because there is things I like about the fact that Matt is such a good guy and then she dumps him so ruthlessly. Um, there, I think there's... And that's why I say, you guys gotta make him the playboy. You gotta make him a little bit blase. You gotta make him bad in a, in a, in a small but real way to justify how Betty treated him. Uh, but I like it because I think that, you know, sometimes girl, good girls do bad things. <laughs> um, right. And that's... Oh, that's, that's, true, that's true, Right? There, that's real. And, and there's an emotional truth to that. Um, and I think in a show like this, when you have so many weird elements, you mm-hmm. always have to have, you got, you always have to make sure you you have strong emotional truths. So, um, I don't hate it, but I, but I receive what you're saying and I don't, and I, and I think, and I like it. I think it makes sense. Um, it's a good time for Betty to have cheated on anybody. <laughs> Betty should have been cheating on Walter, period. <laughs> 
gosh. First of all, uh, the, the audacity of Walter to be the one to leave her the first time around really blows. And then she 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 amicably breaks up with him when she starts developing feelings for Henry. No, she says he should have been cheating. They break up in the they break up in the pilot episode. No, but he dumped her in that episode to be with some oh. other girl. Then when he found out that girl was using it for his employee discount, him and Betty got back together. Right, 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 right. And then she I was like, no, that's him. who you need to cheat on, sis. That man right there. <laughs> who has the audacity to think he can do better than you? And then um when it, out of the goodness of your own heart you take him back, he's still boring as hell. Cheat on him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's it's definitely a thought. Um, yeah. So season three, season three is uh, it's good. Uh, the like it's a good minus. I'm gonna give it the same rating. Good minus. Um, good minus. There are some things that save the third season, but like you said, it did feel real sluggish, and like it was, uh, it was. I was starting to struggle to get through it, which is interesting because it only had like one more episode than the uh, first season. It actually is the largest season, um, which I think might have been the problem. I don't think they were trying so hard to give us the quality that we got in season one, and that's when it they started to fall off. Um, I, yeah, I think I, I, I concur with that. And I think there could be, I think there are elements that could have been a bit tighter. So I understand. Um, so season four, so season four, we pick up with, uh, Betty after the Yeti program, Betty has been promoted at mode. Um, whereas, uh, Betty's been promoted. She's now a, an associate editor, whereas Mark is actually still did not get promoted, and he's still in the same position, um, which immediately creates uh, strife, obviously, between the two. Also, Matt, Matt's father had invested in Mode uh, in order to save Mode from going bankrupt. So now Matt has a shiny new position uh over betty actually um he is no longer mm. he's he's her boss so you know awkward. you one step forward two steps back girl that's super awkward being managed by your ex um this season is interesting and I'm just gonna like like move a little ways ahead here. This season, they do something that feels borderline incestuous. They start dropping crumbs that there is a romantic interest between Betty and Daniel. Yeah, that is, I'm sorry, but that's weird because that's not at all what you set it up to be. It one of the reasons for Daniel's growth was because. Betty was the first woman in his age group who he actually respected as a peer. Um, their relationship is almost like a mentor, mentee, brother, sister. Um, but the reason he was able to grow around Betty was because um, his, his lack of romantic and sexual feelings for her allowed him to uh, be open to what she had to say and who she was as a person and allowed her to be a positive influence on him. You're kind of undoing that now when you're like, hey, after all this time, now he's attracted to her. I Right, no, absolutely. And I agree. I agree with that. Um, in the previous seasons, um, 
Betty and Daniel, obviously by, by the time Betty and Daniel do develop this really strong relationship, but like you said, it's very mentor mentee. It's brother. It, it feels brother and sister and it feels best friend. Um, yeah. America for America for and Eric, uh, Mavis feel like friends. Um, and it's even stranger. Cause in fact, uh, one of the going back to season three for a hot second is that, Daniel starts dating this woman who has cancer and during, and she's like actively, she's terminal and she's going to die and he's accepted it and she's accepted it. And they're just sort of being together for however long she has. Well, as she gets sicker, um, she convinces Daniel to, sign up for like this dating thing because she says she doesn't want him to be alone when she's gone. So Daniel reluctantly uh, goes out on, goes to this matchmaking service and he's matched with Wilhelmina of all people. And right. the, and it's, but they have way more chemistry together than Betty and Daniel. And in fact, I thought that's where the show was taking me. And I was going to be like, huh, that's actually really interesting. And I actually kind of like it. Right. Like it was giving me something like, honestly, I would have even liked it if the show is like, okay, you know what? Amanda and Daniel were fuck buddies, but now that they have healed of their respective wounds, they're actually a good match. Right. And which, which starts up right. Because that, that starts again in season four after. So back to season four. So when Molly dies, because we pick up with Daniel going to like grief support. Uh, Molly has has died, and Daniel um, is healing, and Amanda is you know also healed her trauma as much as she can, and and she's become a nicer person and a better person. By this time, she and Betty have been roommates at one point, and they have become like sort of frenemies. Um, almost genuine friends and she's you know Amanda's like I'm gonna be a stylist you know she's finding out what she's good at and sort of forging forward and uh Daniel and Amanda start to hook up with each other again and I was like oh I like that like that's cool how like they they're coming full circle like Mm -hmm. and I actually really love that idea of the person that you've always sort of known the person you're meant to be with, but like, it just wasn't the right time. You know? Right, right, right. And now that you, but now is the right time. And I remember really liking that, but they don't do that either. They start like, yeah, it's, they're like, oh, it's Daniel and Betty. And it's like, no, it's not. Yeah. Like, no, y'all, I was like, Say psych, <laughs> honestly, the right? whole time. Say I was psych. Like, Please say psych. And here's here's my problem with that Daniel and Betty narrative, and it kind of goes back to what, something I was mentioning when we talked about that last season. Um, the fact of the matter is, Betty deserves somebody who is attracted to her. And here's the thing: love can grow with time, but attraction is something that's usually immediate. And all of Betty's other suitors, not Walter, we don't count him, gave her that. And setting her up and Dan- her and Daniel up to be endgame, you're reinforcing the narrative that 
if a woman's considered conventionally unattractive, um, all she has to do is put in enough work and be a nice enough person. And eventually the guy will want her, which is a very toxic narrative to feed any woman. I don't like it. Y'all didn't have to do my girl like that. Right. Betty deserves someone who's passionate about her. Right. Cause even at the, and I mean, I guess we can just, we'll, we'll get to other things that happen in season four, but I mean, if we just kind of go ahead to, to the series finale, um, it's still it like when he follows her to London, it still doesn't feel that way. <laughs> Like right. it, it just feels like he took a trip to London and she happened to be there already. <laughs> it doesn't feel like he's pursuing Betty. <laughs> like, right? Like it feels like he's on his own journey of like, in fact, it feels like he's for the first time on his own journey that he that um Daniel's on his own journey of like of you know self-reflection and self uh self-making. Uh, trying to fully realize who he is for real, for real. Um, <laughs> Cause he goes to London and he's like, Oh, I came to London because I, I wanted to see if I really have what it takes to make something of myself by myself without my family's help. And I'm like, okay, like that's amazing. So y'all just going to be BFFs in London. And like <laughs> even right. Even then it's not like, it's not really a romantic overture, but like the show tries to make it one and it's weird. Right. How is I'm trying to find myself remotely the same as I want to be with you? I mean, I guess because he's there. <laughs> right. Like the two of us being in the same space does not romance make. Stop it. Like did they didn't even kiss you guys because y'all knew these people don't have that type of chemistry. They, it's a very deep friendship and trust and uh, respect and admiration. They do not have sexual chemistry. They do not have romantic energy. Y'all couldn't even, y'all didn't even write a kiss because you knew they couldn't sell that. <laughs> right? These are really good actors, but they couldn't sell that. <laughs> they couldn't sell it. They could not sell it. <laughs> like, and it's goofy. It's goofy. It's goofy. That's all I'm going to say. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. Um, um, there, there are, it's exasperating. Highlights of season four. Amanda finds out who her father is. She gets her little closure. We like it. We love it. Somebody deserved it. Somebody deserves some closure around here. Um, we get really, we get some other really cute little guest stars. Brooklyn Decker shows up. Shakira shows up. Um, we get some really cute things happening. Uh, was it this season or the last season where we find out that like Daniel's mom isn't responsible um, for murdering uh, Bradford's assistant because the woman had been poisoning her? Her teeth. Oh that's, oh, that's way earlier. That's like season two. Okay. Okay. Um, oh no, I think I think I'm confusing them just because we see more of Claire in season four. We um, do. But you know, Justin gets his little life together. Um, you know, he kind of comes into his own, finds out what he wants to be doing. Hilda gets her happy ending. You know, she gets married to a really great guy. Um, she has a life that she's, you know, kind of always wanted. Her ending reminds me actually a lot of the ending that, um, uh, Jane's mom got and Jane the Virgin. 
um, except she didn't marry Justin's father. But it's like, you know, I was a single mom all these years. I put my kid first and I was hustling. And now I kind of get, you know, that happy ending that I always wanted. I honestly feel like everybody got their little closure um, except Betty. I mean, even Wilhelmina wakes, wakes up from her coma. Right. So let's talk about uh, the endings, the arcs of these characters. Season four is when I think the show does a good job of really um, uh, arcing out these characters' ends and growing them at a rapid pace and and then finding really fitting ends. Um, every character, like I said, this is a show where Betty single-handedly makes everybody a better person. And that's really, truly what happens. So Mark, who, and it all, ha- and I, and what I really love about it is that it all happens for the characters in different ways. Not every person's ending is necessarily about, um, not everyone's positive ending is necessarily about like their career a lot. There are a a couple characters where it's more about realizations about themselves and who they want to be and like why they need to be that way and how that's ultimately healing for themselves and the people around them. And I really like that because I, I appreciate narratives where we, I appreciate narratives in the world, more narratives in the world where we stress about um, ne- not necessarily uh, capitalist gains and like making more money and like, okay, you get the bigger house, you get the bigger job because you can get the bigger house, you can get the bigger job, you can get all the clicks and likes and engagement and still be a very um, horrible, lonely, toxic person. Uh, so, Starting with um, Mark, like I said, so Mark, they really do a great job of humanizing this Mark character because Mark and Justin, uh, Betty's nephew, form this really wonderful relationship. And Mark, uh, there's this really sweet, beautiful arc where Mark not only uh, mentors Justin, but is uh, in community with him as like another gay man, uh, like in Justin's own sort of coming up and coming of age. Justin gets like a his first like cute little boyfriend and um, Mark and Justin form a bond with each other to the point where Justin confides in Mark about like, I'm gay and like, what do I say to my family? And and Justin's, and obviously, like the Suarez's are, are very supportive of Justin, but it also, but while being supportive of Justin, Mark is able to see that, like, he didn't get that and how that's affected him and how, like, it's made him a really toxic person and how he needs to work and how, even though he sort of, is striving at work, you know, he didn't get the the editor position first. He eventually gets it, but he didn't get it first. And Mark realizing that if he had spent less time, you know, antagonizing Betty, uh, mm-hmm. that he probably would have gotten what he wanted faster. And that also part of his antagonization of Betty is his own sort of, lack of love like within himself and Mark I think at Betty's wedding is like I could hook up with 
Amanda's father and like we could have casual sex but like that's something that has been like hurting me and so like I'm gonna do better and that's how Mark sort of ends his journey it's really wonderful yeah I mean yes to all of that I think everybody got a, their closure they needed um no one more so than Mark and Amanda um <laughs> I was really rooting for those kids um right. and you know what shout out to a show giving us uh, an older gay man being a mentor to a gay teen without sexual own undertones and, you know, sexual grooming and exploitation. We love it. You're right. We love it. Because um, I'm really the, tired of these movies that keep giving us something else. <laughs> right? It's awkward. Stop it. It's weird. Uh, also, Wilhelmina gets a really wonderful ending. Wilhelmina kind of comes to the same realization that, like, she sort of let her career overtake anything and everything else with her life she's let like this her vendetta against the meads um also overtake her life (laughs) and uh she Wilhelmina is just like you know fuck this like I'm good she goes and not only fuck this I'm good but like she's like I am a super accomplished person (laughs) like I did all the things I did all the things like, and everybody knows I did all the things. <laughs> like, so I don't really have to keep doing this anymore. And she goes off and she's happy. She just she just chooses happiness. She chooses happiness. And I love that for her. Um, you have nothing to prove, sweetie. Nothing. You're doing amazing. You're doing amazing. Uh, Daniel, like we said, Daniel realizes that, you know, I've all... Every, everything I have and everything I've ever gotten or done has been by my family's hand. And maybe I should try to see like what I'm made of by myself. Um, granted, I think that's kind of dumb because like, he, obviously you're editor in chief at like a major magazine. You can go anywhere in the world. People are still going to know that, you know? Right. Like, right. like, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, but, are you going to change your name? Because when Enrique Iglesias started uh, performing, he didn't use the last name Iglesias because he didn't want anyone to know that he was Julio Iglesias' son. Like, that's what you have to do if you're like, trying to, like, hide, quote-unquote. And we have the internet. We know what you look like, so it's kind of different. <laughs> right? Like, this is the way it is. But, okay. But I appreciate the sentiment. Whatever. Um, Betty, you know, gets the big job. She gets the big job in the big city. And... She, ooh, one of my favorite parts of season four is Henry coming back and Betty being like, nah, girl, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah, like, don't you have a child to raise, Henry? Go see about that. And he comes with the baby. And the child, asking her to be a whole stepmother. Asking her to be a whole stepmother. And it's crazy (laughs) because Betty gets the job. So Betty gets the job offer and she's like, oh, I'm not going to take it. And then Henry comes back and she tells him about the job offer. And instead of Henry being like, oh, girl, like, take it. That's a great opportunity for you. He's like, oh, but you're you're not going to take it, right? She goes, no, right? Like, he goes like, yeah, you're going to stay in New York because I'm in New York. So clearly, like, you want to be with me being stepmommy to this child. And Betty straight up said, I'm not your mammy. I'll be seeing you. Take care. I'll be seeing you. Take care. I've got, I've got boys. I've got British dick to fuck in London. Thank you. And we're out. 
And um, it would have been so cute if we had just ended on that note. Um, or hell, she she reunited with uh, Matt in London. But nope, we got Daniel instead. We got Daniel. Uh, oh, God. Um, Ignacio, like, becomes, you know, is happy with his younger girlfriend. And and he um, embarks on, like, his sort of chef career. Hilda gets married. Justin comes out to his family and the world. And he is going to prosper, obviously. And everybody ends on this really great note, except for Betty and Daniel. It's terrible. And this is what what the my issue with the show kind of boils down to. Besides the fact that I felt like the writers were actively sabotaging Betty's love life throughout and continuously building up relationships that never progressed, um, the fact that there was never any romantic or sexual attraction or chemistry between her and Daniel. Um, the show keeps trying, keeps doing all of that, yet trying to be a romance at the same time. You're not. You have very clearly made a choice that there's no romance to be found, found here. Don't give it to us at the 11th hour with the least compatible people. Right. Like, like I said, <laughs> there's, there's a big, there's a, there's a very similar DNA to Betty, Ugly Betty and Devil Wears Prada. And if they had, and essentially you, I think you could argue like Betty does really follow Andy's arc for mm-hmm. the entirety of the, for the, through the course of the fourth, fourth, four seasons ending in a similar way to Andy of that. She, that she, um she find Betty actually finally gets to leave this fashion magazine Right, because Betty realizes she never really wanted to do fashion, and somehow she's ended up doing this for four years, and she mm-hmm. never wanted to do this. And the job in London is running this magazine f- for essentially like it's going to be like the millennial New Yorker, right? That's the idea. That's how the guy mm-hmm. I think says it, and it ends in the same way that Andy's ends. And Andy comes to the same realization. Andy's like, I don't want to really, I don't really want to do fashion. Like I came here. I like conquered this toxic workplace and I'm success and like, okay, but like I wanted to do other shit. Like I wanted to write about other shit. I'm passionate about Mm. other shit and Betty. And so I'm going to go off and do that. Um, And it's, and just like Andy's ending is also really wonderful and hopeful. Betty's is even more so because she does get the, the job to do millennial New Yorker and and be successful and and it's great and wonderful so let it be that (laughs) like let it just be about this young woman who succeeded and is doing wonderful things like why are you trying to shoehorn in this romance at the at the 11th hour right it's ridiculous it's it's completely unnecessary Dan Daniel's closure was learning to stand on his own without his father and without using women's bodies as a form of therapy. Betty's closure should have been actually realizing her dream and moving forward in her life, um, independent of her family and her former toxic work environment. Why wasn't that enough? Especially when you guys have made it clear you don't give a fuck about her love life anyway. <laughs> right. And I... <laughs> So I have some theories. I think they tried to do that because like, I think they were trying to honor like the original telenovela because apparently yeah. that's how the original telenovela ends. Um, but right. With Betty uh, and her boss together. 
together. But like, girl, this is this is America, honey. Like, this is um this and this this isn't the story you wrote. Like, uh, let them right. do that in Colombia. Like, you like be true to the to what you set up. You know what I mean? I mean, I feel like Betty and Daniel's relationship is actually retroactively diminished by the ending that they gave us. It's rare that you see a relationship as pure as Betty and Daniel's. And the reason why it's so pure is because neither party was attracted to the other. And now you've ruined that. Um, They had a relationship similar to Will and his mentor from The Good Wife. Yeah, Will and Diane. Um, Will and Diane, yeah. And now you have ruined that. Whereas Betty had real romantic chemistry and passion with um with uh some pretty decent options it could have been mark i mean me, it could have been matt it could have been geo and uh amanda and daniel have outside of their 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 need to heal and grow they had the bare bones of a good relationship they understand each other very well they move in the same spaces in the same circles and they have obviously lots and lots of sexual compatibility i don't understand why they needed to be quote unquote, happy together and why they couldn't just keep on cheering and rooting for each other in their respective relationships. <laughs> right. It's why? why. Why? What is it for? What's the reason? Did you get the clicks? Did you get the like, likes and engagements? Because literally <laughs> no one was caping for, for Betty and Daniel. <laughs> nobody. Nobody. And I mean, listen, maybe with another season, you could have had me buy it. I, I still wouldn't have liked it. <laughs> like, I probably would have still hated it. But at least I would have bought it more. Um, but you didn't. This was your final season. You, and and I think what sucks is, like, they, they just did so well in every other aspect. Except this Child. one. I mean, oh. balls were dropped here and there, but none so hard as this one. <laughs> uh, on, but... Uh. Uh, even so, but, I, I give it I give it a good minus, maybe a basic I'm, plus. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give this one a basic plus as well. I was about to give it a bad, but I'll give it a I basic plus just because of everybody else. Like, listen, you can't do these sort of things with our protagonist, but because y'all really took care of the supporting cast, I will give it a basic plus. Right. No, like I, there is some really beautiful, wonderful writing in this last season. I think it's very effective. Um, I like it. Uh, there's everybody just grows so much. Um, and it's really wonderful and it's done in a way that I, that still honors the the core of these characters and the tone of the show. And that's a hard thing to do. And I met, and I like it. And so I, I still give it, I'm still giving it. Yeah. Like, it's just that one part that sucks. Um, and so, therefore, it's a basic plus. I like this show. This show held up really well in, in a lot of regard. In a lot of regards. Um, there's a lot that this show tackles, I think, uh, in terms of beauty and standards of beauty and, and um, womanhood that all rings true and and feels before it's time uh it's also very universal this is still like a really good show uh i'm not surprised that like it endures to this day that people still think about it and talk about it it should be it's it's a very good piece of work um 
Yeah. And I, I like it. I, this should not be rebooted. <laughs> Do not reboot this Please show. don't. 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 It literally just ended like 11 years ago. What are y'all even talking about right now? <laughs> like, it hasn't even been 11 years yet. It'll be 11 years later this year. But, like, can we just give things time to settle before we, like, do reboots? <laughs> True blood. But please? Uh, don't reboot it. It doesn't need one. It's good for... It's really good for what it is. Um, I think... Yeah, I don't really... I just think it's one of those shows... It's, it's just a really good show. It's a really good show. You should revisit it. Vi- visit it when you get a chance and I think there's a lot to be learned from this show um, in regards to character growing character growing your main character um I know that I personally am tired of like sociopathic women on screen right now so I think if you're looking to if you're trying to figure out how to write like a heroine who's earnest and just like true blue and like a, just like a true blue good hero I think this is a great show to look at. And there you have it, folks. This is everything that we think made Ugly Betty good. Bad, basic, and so hilarious. If you'd like to check out the series, Ugly Betty is currently streaming for free on abc.com. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. And if you're a member of our Patreon, be sure to check out our Ugly Betty playlist. Tune in next week when we keep the strong female lead season going with part one of our discussion of the iconic Sex in the City. Sex in the City is currently streaming on HBO Max, so be sure to get into this series or go refresh your memory. You don't want to miss out on this conversation. The Good, The Bad, The Basic is currently streaming on all major podcast platforms, so be sure to tune in to our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform, share our weekly episodes on your social media, and be sure to follow us at the Good Bad Basic on Twitter and at Good Bad Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic, where all of our weekly episodes debut. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash good bad basic your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material until next time bye everyone Mm